Podcasting from their dining room table in California, it's the Stonebirds with Dave Stone and Katie Strandberg. Get it? Advice and encouragement from two goofballs who can barely run their own lives. Call now at 562-548-2012 to be a part of the show. Now welcome the Stonebirds. Check, 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 check. Am I okay? Check, check. Checkity, check. Check, check. Checkity, check. What are you doing? Oh, I'm depositing a check that's almost a month old because I'm a fucking trash can. Hi, boo. How you doing, boo? Ah, boo. I am a real peach today. What's going on? I... I had a counseling session in which I not only bored myself, but also my therapist. Really? <laughs> I know. Um, has that ever happened before? Like It has, you, because I mean, I'm checked out. You literally phone it in, because you're talking to them on the phone. Yes. But have you metaphorically phoned it in uh, with therapy? Is that something that happens a lot? No, because I go into it like the gym. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally am like, okay, I'm going to go in. This is my hour. I'm sorry, 55 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I get to ask questions. And you know me. I love mental health. I love to get better. Oh, my gosh, you're yawning. Mm -hmm. Are you bored? No. No. (laughs) Um, But I... Today, I just, I hit a wall, and I, I notice that when I do that, and I have nothing to s- talk about and stuff, it's stuff I don't want to get into. Hmm. It's like usually the days where you don't want to go to therapy, those mm-hmm. are the days that are the most, that what you get out of it is really good. Mm-hmm. So today, I really, I because I just woke up with a lot of anxiety, and look, I'm sad, because it's the holidays, mm-hmm. and I knew this holiday train was coming down the track, but once, you know, and, and that's why I want to plan, like, an easygoing holiday season mm-hmm. and no pressure on anybody, um, but it's, you know, yesterday I went to go get my medication, which, by the way, uh, fun fact for all ADHD people or ADD people, all the stimulants in the country, there's a shortage. Really? Yes. The pharmacist was like, yeah, we don't have your medication. And I was like, okay. So, and she's like, try Rite Aid. And then like, just kind of dismissed me. And I was like, cool. Uh, Has that, is that a thing that happens? I guess so. Have you never, ever experienced that? Never experienced that. That's a scary thought. That, yeah, uh, it is scary. I mean, what if it was life or death medication? Well, these are like mood stabilizers. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm sorry. So I'm on mood stabilizers and I'm on an antidepressant and a stimulant for my ADHD. Um, the stimulant, uh, there's so many people with medications understand, but mm-hmm. it's just like, and you get it, like with your mom and like mm-hmm. just going to the pharmacy growing up and it's just such a pain in the ass. Speaking of which. And just like Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Charlie's in a mood. 
today. He's just like his mama. He needs some meds. I know. He do-, do you think he's depressed? He's something. I know. He's never satisfied. He's never satisfied. <laughs> Not even when he's on top of me. Yeah. He's my little friend. I've never heard of this, of med shortages. Yeah. Like, obviously, we've been dealing with that for the last few years with the supply chain thing and the microchips and all that. But I never, never even dawned on yeah. me that... I mean, what if it was heart meds or kidney meds well, or any med that people are literally dependent on? And I know nothing about this, like scientifically or addiction-wise, but I, I do know that um, uh, stimulants. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, stimulants are over prescribed, mm-hmm. and I know that when it's like ADHD stuff. It's you can go and get Adderall mm-hmm. if you say like I have you know it's like going and getting a marijuana card mm-hmm. like oh I have aches in my is body. it easy to get Adderall prescribed it is, it is. Hmm. and so people get excited about it mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm not gonna say everyone abuses it um, but it really does calm me down mm-hmm. it's not an upper for me it's not one of those things it is called a stimulant mm-hmm. but with my mind it makes me feel like okay i could get out of bed i have order in my head Mm -hmm. and i think i was just telling you earlier like with adhd uh, a lot of people are like "Uh uh-huh sure i roll because it's such a thing and it's like no it's it's an actual thing in your brain Mm -hmm. it's a neurological condition where i feel like i'm in a store and there's nine thousand conversations going on around me i could hear every single one but i'm trying to focus on one conversation in front of me and that's what it feels like it Mm. just and so what the stimulant does at least in my case is it calms me down where the noise it's not over it doesn't go to mute but all those big big (laughs) the conversations that are like your mind's just going a million miles a minute kind of slows down and then you could focus a little bit better on one task at a time okay and and without that, I didn't realize how much I was dependent on it because it just makes me so tired. I've been withdrawing from it for a few days now. What it makes you tired to be off of it? Yeah, to be off of mm-hmm. it. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it just it it makes you just feel like um like sluggish, and of course it does. I think it's like speed, right? I mean, it's like a probably similar to a stimulant in sure. that way. Well. And even on a lower level, it, it it would be like someone who's drank coffee every morning of their adult life, and then they go a week with no coffee. Yeah. Like, I was always, ironically, you've kind of turned me into a coffee guy recently. I finally found my drink at Starbucks. I mean, Triple by the way, let's ice. go ahead and take a minute. Uh-huh. Yeah. Never have I been more proud. <laughs> but I've always been kind of, uh, not, proud's not the right word, but just... I've never been a coffee guy, mm-hmm. and it's I've always kind of like a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge to myself of like, oh, I'm glad. Because all you hear like in the work environment and whatever, oh, don't talk to me before I've had my coffee. Or My mom right. is addicted to coffee. Yeah, and, and so a little bit of creamer. Are, yeah, I love her. Yeah, but like my mom yeah. has drank three, four cups of coffee every morning mm-hmm. s- since before I was born. Right. And I'm not shaming her. I'm like, a lot of people are... 
Yeah. It's funny to say addicted to something that seems so benign as coffee or caffeine. No, but it's but a, it it's alters. That, it's that routine mm-hmm. of like I need this every morning to get myself going, and I totally get that. While while I've never been a coffee guy, there are mornings where it's like, damn, I need a Red Bull. You know, yeah, that, that was always my go. to Yeah, you're sugar full. I mean, I, I don't. You don't like the sugar free. Oh, Red I hate Bull. the sugar free. It just tastes so bad. And I'm not <laughs> saying like I don't drink Red Bull every morning, but about. Well, when I'm on the road, I drink it a lot, you know, with traveling. But, you know, once a week, I'll I'll be like, oh, I need to stop in and get me a Red Bull before I go on my hike or something. Yeah. But anyway, point being, if people are addicted or maybe addicted is too harsh of a word, dependent mm-hmm. uh, on their routine of, of morning coffee, I can't imagine what it would be like to be on Adderall for how many years? Many, oh, many, over many years? 10. And then to just have that yanked out from under you without you know, a game plan without prior notice of like, all right, I'm going to wean myself off or whatever. But just to be like, what? Oh, you don't have my drugs? Well, which makes me think also, wait, do I, and I, I feel like I need it, but it makes me feel like a broken human. Cause I'm like, oh, so I don't need this. Like you can mm-hmm. just say, oh, there's a shortage and it's done. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but wait, what you're right. Like what happens when that's the antidepressants or what happens mm-hmm. when that's the mood stabilizers. And like when people just say like, well, you shouldn't be on them. You know, remember Dr. Kim, my acupuncturist yeah, yeah. were like, and he just said, well, that's just a band aid mm-hmm. for, you know, a problem. And it's like, I've tried to go off meds. I, I can't seem to function. It doesn't make me a weak person. Yeah. It's how my mind works. And, I, I'm getting what punished because other people are abusing that. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't seem fair, mm-hmm. and and not that I'm like oh way to go everybody, but no, like the medical industry, the the most expensive med I ever had was this last one, and it's out because why? Well, I'm sure a lot of the pharmacists, like the pharmaceutical company, who goes to the, you know, psychiatrist and is like, look at this new thing. Like, mm-hmm. then they push that. They have incentive. And, and I get that whole thing as well. But it makes you feel like, oh, man, am I just getting duped? Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? You don't have a plan B? Like, there's not a plan B at all? Mm-hmm. Like, even if my doctor was like, go get us, you know, 18 Celsiuses and down them, I would have. Like, okay, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's... um. So, yeah, it's just a weird thing. And what's weird is that it's kind of a domino effect, right? So, like, your cocktail of medication, it, it all kind of goes together. Okay, finally, I found this mm-hmm. triangle yeah. of what works for me. Mm-hmm. And then if one of the pieces, it's no longer a triangle. It's mm-hmm. just a straight line. And you're like, fuck, oh, God, do I up stuff? Do I not? Yeah, I totally get that. I I mean, I do that uh, in recreational form as far as, like, performing i mean we talked about this on this last run like like when you i know my material i have the hour you know frontwards and back but then like once as a comic like once you you've got your material or your set or your act whatever you want to call it where you want it to be for me then it's the next step of like all right how do I get in that right mindset or how do I put myself in that right mood to be loose and silly but still sharp. And like I my point is I experiment with that as far as like, all right, one whiskey before yeah. I go up. Yeah. You know, maybe one or is it two whiskeys or is it none? Like 
no alcohol. Obviously, I'm sharper. I remember all my little the details and nuances of the jokes. But my point is, like, I'm always interested in finding that space in my own head to where when am I the funniest? Yeah. When I, you know, is it when I've got one bourbon in me, or is it when I've got one puff of weed, you know, thirty minutes before I go on stage, or does that make sense? Like, it I, does, I'm yeah. always trying to find like where is that. What's the cocktail? What's the formula that's going to put me in the funniest and lightest and silliest and goofiest mood to perform tonight? Yeah. As opposed to being, you know, and I know, you know, (laughs) that's a form of dependency. But like, I know a real performer should be sober and be sharp. and, And I do, like, I don't. I don't, I've never performed just completely shit-faced. Yeah. And I don't ever perform high, because I've, I've experimented with that, and I just can't do it. It turns me into a zombie. Does but, it really? Oh, yeah. I cannot perform. But when, it's funny, because there's certain strands where you're like a where, chatty Kathy. I'm chatty, and I'm funny at home, yeah. or whatever. But And I'm sure that might translate, but my point is, I can't risk it, because I've had too oh. many. I've probably had 10 shows where I was like, all right, I'm going to get high and try to do this, and... Just zero for ten, yeah. You know because other comics, you know, like I go on tour, hang out with Rory, and you know he 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 smokes before every show, and that's part of his thing is just kind of getting into that headspace and improvising and kind of freeform, and man, it just turns me into a zombie. So my point is, I'm always looking for that formula, you know, in, in terms of like, well, not just alcohol, but sometimes you know, ooh, do I have a Red Bull right before I go up? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do that, and it perks me up, and then sometimes I do that, and I can almost see my hand shaking on stage because I've got too much caffeine. So I understand like trying to find that formula or that recipe that puts you in the best place mentally. And I have the luxury of just kind of experimenting with that in terms of performance. But uh, you, that's what you have to do just to deal with day to day life. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, um, Look, I'm a very luck- lucky, privileged white lady that lives in Los Angeles. That's the truth. Um, I I understand. Yes, I, I can buy meds. Yes, mm-hmm. I can see a therapist. Yes, I can see a psychiatrist. And I, I do have a heart for people that are um, houseless. How? Uh, unhoused. Unhoused. Mm-hmm. Because I would be. I, I absolutely would be unmedicated oh, if my yeah. dad wasn't around. I mean, you know what I mean? Helping me through my awful 20s. And I, I mean, I am a second away from being that. And so it's it's like it just feels so unfair mm-hmm. that you're at a disadvantage just because of your brain chemistry yeah. and inherited trauma. Like we inherit the trauma of our parents. Mm-hmm. Like that's just. That's just a fact. So when you get like super enraged or when your body feels like, ugh. Sometime, what do you mean by that, by the way? Um, I've heard in different studies that your trauma, like say your mom had an abusive relationship mm-hmm. when she was pregnant with you. Mm-hmm. As an example, by the way. As an example. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, as an example. Uh, just And then that baby comes and that will stay with them. Huh. Like that stays trauma. The, the yeah, kid. because your body reacts chemically. And so if 
you know, if there's a fetus inside of you, it will, I guess there's something chemically that happens where you inherit that. It's not going to be as bad because you didn't live it, but you're going to have that within your body. And that's why mind-body connection is such a big deal. Is it, Now, that's just the context of, of a mother and fetus. Like, no, no, sure. <laughs> can it happen other ways? Like when you say your parents, but like... I think so. That example, could, could you have... Could I have unknowingly been there, suffering from my father's trauma? Yeah. Because, you know, he had a lot of trauma growing up. He had a terrible childhood. I think, I think you're, I really truly do believe that's true. Mm-hmm. And I, and I don't have any uh, other than my ADHD, like pieces of stuff that I've read online. But yeah, I, I think you can. And I think it does carry with you. I think I have grandparents' trauma. Mm-hmm. I think I have my, the bloodline of the Strambergs, dear God, everyone run. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, there was a lot going on. Yeah. A lot of rage, a lot of, you know, I think your body, and and even in your life, like, that's what PTSD is, and that's what all, like, you, we go through trauma, and it, trauma can look any way. It doesn't have to be, like, I was in Vietnam mm-hmm. and saw my friend's head get blown off. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's horrible, but you can't measure different people's trauma against yeah. each other. It's not fair because then that just diminishes what they went through. You can see your parents fighting and mm-hmm. hold that in your entire life. And then when you are in a relationship years later and somebody says a word mm-hmm. that kind of sounds like what your mom screamed at your dad, mm-hmm. your body could just shut down. That was kind of one of the beefs I had as an angst-ridden teenager um, with a disabled mom yeah. and, a, and a father who had a terrible childhood and no parents, I would always hear, well, at least you're not in a wheelchair like your mom, or at least you have parents. I didn't have parents, Dave, when I, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, okay, I understand that. And I sympathize from that. But so I'm not allowed to ever have any problems, yeah, you know, because at least I'm not in a wheelchair. Like yeah. th- that was frustrating growing up. Like, no, I, I get what you're saying. But I still have my own little issues. and You know, it just felt like you're not allowed to have any, as long as you, you're not in a wheelchair and as long as you're not an orphan, shut the hell up. Yeah, it's dismissive. Yeah, and that, that was the one reoccurring point of contingency as a teenager and as a kid that I would beef with my parents over. Like, yeah, you, you can't just always fall back on that. Yes, I understand mom's in a wheelchair and dad didn't have parents. A, it's not my fault. B, I still have problems. Yes, they might be less, you know, on the scale compared to what you guys are referring to, but yeah. then that I'm still allowed to have problems. I'm still allowed to complain about things. What would what would have been a good like it, yourself when you're complaining or venting to your parents? What what would you have wanted to hear? Because I always think that, too. Because my parents would do the same thing. Like, well, well, you didn't have a daughter that died. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but I had a sister that died. Maybe just something as simple as like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You want to talk about it? Yeah. But there was no, it was just like, you're not in a wheelchair. Shut up. It wasn't that, br- I mean, they were yeah, sweet yeah. about it. They weren't, you know, just shut the hell up. But that was the sentiment of like, what are you complaining about? Yeah. You you, you don't can, have room you can to walk. complain. Yeah. When Your really, legs work. Shut up. You probably did just need to vent, and you probably mm-hmm. just needed to be heard mm-hmm. and been like, oh, okay. Like, and a little bit of that is good. I, like, it's all relative. Everything's in perspective, you know? Like, 
what I mean is like you and I can't sit. We can't let someone messing up our coffee order ruin our day. No, that's because it's yes. like look across the street. There's a guy sleeping on the sidewalk. No, of course. So shut up about your stupid coffee order. But but you know tighten it up. You know that's one end of the spectrum. But I'm saying like oh I still as a teenager like I still had whatever it is. You know just because my grievance or my issue or my problem right now isn't as severe as not being able to walk or, or, or being an orphan doesn't mean it's completely discountable. Exactly. And uh, that, yeah. that was very frustrating. Of course it was. And I, I think when we have that space to sit in, when somebody gives us room and sees us and is like, okay, like you're really frustrated right now. Mm-hmm. Is there something else going on or is it just you're frustrated? Mm-hmm. Or what do you need right now? Is it just you need to vent to me? Then that's totally fine. I hear you. Mm-hmm. I was very similar. Or do you need, you know, and, and knowing that language is very difficult as mm-hmm. a kid to know because your parents didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They didn't go to therapy and learn mm-hmm. how to work through stuff and that doesn't mean they're bad or mm-hmm. whatever but my dad was very similar yeah that, no, that's just a generation generation thing. yeah of just you know whatever keep going but then he screamed and raged at cars mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean and it's like well we all know mm-hmm. okay there is road rage but like you're on fire right now yeah and that is that has nothing to do with the civic that just cut you off mm-hmm. on the 55 freeway yeah. you know what i mean so instead of judging it being catching ourselves and being like okay like yesterday i was really i felt i was snippy with you and instead of me just like being like i wasn't whatever and that's old katie i would have just been like yeah whatever he'll get over it mm-hmm. and but it's like wait why was i oh yeah going to cvs yesterday seeing the christmas decorations kind of stuck with me mm-hmm. There was a family encounter that kind of stuck with me, you know, and and I got prickly and I didn't deal with it. And I kind of just was a little harsh in the morning. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's why. And so then I called and I apologized to you and you were like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But I and I'm not apologizing for my existence, which is what I used to do. But it's like, oh, right. Like if we just check in with ourselves and are like, okay, this isn't me. I'm not. I love Dave. You know, he's my husband. Why am I lashing out? Why am I putting the mirror to him mm-hmm. and raging <laughs> when it's like, oh, wait, I'm I'm upset. And it usually is. It's just, oh, I'm upset. And here's why. And even getting to that point mm-hmm. is work. Yeah. Well, and you've taught me, <laughs> like, from my perspective of that same scenario, you know, 10 years ago, I've always just been so stubborn and so, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong, where uh, I never thought, why is Katie saying that? I just thought, why, why'd why she say that? To me. To me. In that tone, yeah. But now I'm like, oh, just like it truly didn't bother me yesterday, because I thought, oh, well, I know, well, I don't know, but I, I'm fairly self-aware. I'm pretty certain this isn't, from anything I've done or said this morning. Exactly. Because there was a very small sample size. It was early in the morning. Yeah. And um, my point is, like, 10 years ago, I would have just been mad that you were snippy. Yeah. But now, through getting older and being more patient and hopefully a little more wise and learning a lot about this stuff from you, in that same example, it's like, oh, okay, what's... Rather than just me being butthurt... 
that she was snippy to me. Now my default is, oh, oh what, what, wonder what's causing that. I wonder if Katie's okay. Yeah. As opposed to she hurt my feelings. Yeah. And I feel like that's growth. That is such growth, Boo. I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're great at that too. You're, you're, I mean, you're the one that taught me that. You know, it's not about what it's about. It's never about what it's about. And I'm about. all, I'm so pragmatic and black and white where, you know, it took me years to, to learn that because it's like, well, I didn't do anything and she was snap, snippy at me. So we're going to argue about that. It's funny because you do know it's not about what it's about. Mm-hmm. You just don't know the language of that because you'll, you'll contextualize things like, okay, that guy was honking yesterday mm-hmm. in the driveway yeah what a jerk right mm-hmm. but he was probably mad because oh he's getting blocked by somebody maybe this is the 13th time it's happened mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you know how to look at the bigger picture mm-hmm. and kind of figure out oh, okay that seems you know you can step out of the picture mm-hmm. and do that and it's hard to do that with ourselves yeah. like you know hold the phone katie don't yell at the barry's boot camp person for can't find the validation sticker Mm -hmm. you're frustrated because you're late Mm -hmm. you didn't you know what i mean like it's it's on you and Mm -hmm. you're beating yourself up but instead of being like yeah it's okay Mm -hmm. life happens you know we put it on others Mm -hmm. and it's easy to put it on strangers and it's even easier to put it on the people that we love and hold close to us Mm -hmm. because it's like no you should feel this way too Mm -hmm. i'm feeling this way you're coming down with me (laughs) and that's not correct you know and and it is your feelings are valid but and i do i understand too like yes we can't compare tragedy to anybody but like you don't sit in it Mm -hmm. because i used to just sit in it and then that would make me more depressed and I would just, the cycle would continue and continue and continue when mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this, I'm holding space for myself in this way, but what's, I have to move forward. Mm-hmm. I can't live in the past. I can't live in my sadness. Yes, this thing happened, but that's made me who I am. Mm-hmm. And thank God for that. I mean, I'm excited to grow and learn with you and, and continue to be like, okay, let's take accountability of myself. Mm-hmm. Because that's really the only relationship that you have to, you have to love yourself to love others. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's it. When people are mean to you or angry and stuff, that's on, like you said, that's on them. Mm-hmm. I need to come up to you and be like, look, here's why. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you were doing something to annoy me or whatever, okay, this kind of annoys me mm-hmm. and I probably let it fester and I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but you know. Then I come to you, and then you can take that and be like, okay, the ball's in your court. Okay, and we could have a conversation about it. And I think it's just so hard for people to trust that other person or themselves. And I don't know. I'm just kind of speaking into the void. But, like, for people who have grown up in any family unit, families are all disorganized and chaotic. And no matter how pretty it looks, it's not you know what it seems of course and hey we bring that with us Mm -hmm. you know we take that baggage with us and it doesn't mean it's good it doesn't mean it's bad but like we sometimes you gotta you i think you have to unpack it look at it acknowledge it and move on Mm -hmm. and i think that's what therapy is and that's why it's so hard 
when you want to just be like, no, I want to be in a good mood today. I just want to be happy and in my own happy place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to ignore those bills or I just want to ignore that or whatever. But it doesn't go anywhere. It's mm-hmm. still it's still there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, boy, I'm, I'm real proud of how much work and effort you put into your own self-care and your own sanity and understanding how your brain and personality works. Well, I've seen, I've seen, God bless my dad. I loved my dad. I mean, I had such a bond with my dad. You Mm -hmm. know that. And I worked my ass off for that. Mm -hmm. That was me putting in a lot of work. And I'm so grateful I did because I look back and I'm like, oh, I understand. I understand how he got that angry Mm -hmm. i understand how he would be frustrated working his ass off for you know what i mean a job that he didn't want even uh the stuff he did the i I get it Mm -hmm. it doesn't excuse raging out on me Mm -hmm. or calling me names and stuff but i understand it and then on the opposite end my aunt joni his sister, mm-hmm. who grew up in the same exact environment, same exact raising, was chose to not dwell on that mm-hmm. and to go through it in any way she did. And who knows, maybe she didn't, but she was just a light in people's lives mm-hmm. and, and did her best. And I saw her and I got an opportunity to see both of them. And my dad had a love for my Aunt Joni in an unconditional way, mm-hmm. in a beautiful, I love you no matter what. And that's because they were bonded in trauma for mm-hmm. sure. But Aunt Joni gave that love to everyone, mm-hmm. including her brother. Yeah. And I was really inspired by that because I was like, good. Like that's, you choose. Mm-hmm. You choose the life you want. You choose the perspective. I choose to be happy. Yeah. I, I Happiness is a choice and I think that we all just have to remember, like, you're in control of your emotions. You're not in control of your brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But is sitting on the couch and watching Summer House for the fourth time in a row going to make me happy? Probably not. But maybe I need that for a half hour and then I go on a walk. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what I mean? You you have to find those outlets and self-care that kind of help you move through the world so you don't scream at people and so you don't become miserable and and think back on your life and you know are unhappy Mm -hmm. i i know my dad had happiness in other things and i know that my presence would bring him happiness but also a lot of stress and you know a lot of worry and i was his daughter and he was very protective of me and there was a lot going on there we were enmeshed so our relationship wasn't the only relationship in his life mm-hmm. and that's what brings me so much joy because it's like oh good he mm-hmm. had his grandsons mm-hmm. oh good he had all of his friends oh good he had people to work on old cars with oh good he had my mama and they were best friends you know it it, it that brings me joy and i have to take that joy and move on and be like look like i can be like an aunt joni in people's lives and and she did it and, and you totally are boo. well that's sweet but you know oh I you absolutely know. are 
And not to rehash any of this, but you talk about like choices and growing up and, you know, your, your father and your aunt, they grew up in the same environment and he kind of dealt with things one way and she dealt with them another. Same could be said for you and your sister, mm-hmm. you know, not to rehash that, but like y'all had the same upbringing, the same opportunities, the same traumas. Yeah, that's you know? true. And I look at that too as I had a wake up call in New Orleans when I passed out and was in the hospital for 17 days because I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. And so no wonder I went on the opposite end of the spectrum. I was like, I will never let that happen to me again. Never will I be out of control of my body. Never will I, and I know you never say never, but I I went the opposite way Mm -hmm. where I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to every single doctor. I'm going to do what I need to do because I feeling out of control in that way gave me so much fear but now I look back on it and I'm like oh I got I got saved Mm -hmm. like my not like oh I got saved by Jesus but no I got saved I mean God spared my life for a reason and I'm so grateful to even be able to speak on this podcast with my husband. I mean, for God's sake, I should be eating my hair in a studio apartment in Burbank right now. Like, I don't know. <laughs> for some context for people who may not remember, uh, November of 16, uh, you and I were on a break for several months. Hiatus. Hiatus. <laughs> um, but that was back when you were drinking a lot. Every day. And uh, that's that's lightly. That's went, putting it lightly. You went on a vacation with some friends to New Orleans, and the first night, you uh, you passed out. Oh no! It was, it was the a, end of it. Oh, the, it was whole the end vacation. Of it. That's right. I was just, I was coughing. I had. Mm-hmm. Turns out I had walking pneumonia. Mm-hmm. You didn't realize that it. was infected into mm-hmm. my lungs, and I had. They were my lung was about to collapse, mm. and I passed out in the French Quarter on the day we were supposed to fly back. Jeez. And apparently, if I did just soldier on through and ignore my body, my lung would have exploded because of the elevation Jeez. and all that shit. So I, it was serious. It was a big deal. And I, you ultimately had half your lung removed, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I have like one and a half lungs, which is fun. But yeah, it's just like one and a quarter. I don't know. It's just weird. I'm a science project. But... That was the, it's so weird. I felt so much peace. Like, yes, I was in a lot of pain. Of course, I was meted up on morphine. And in that, I I call it the codependent isolation tank. But for 17 days, I was alone. And my parents would call me every day. And it was just like the biggest hug the best thing they could do. Like, how you doing? How you doing, Kate? Okay. Is she, you know, my mom would be on the phone. It was like a party line. You know, I had people checking in on me, but I had my own, I was alone and it wasn't feel sorry for me. It was like, oh, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I'm okay alone. This is worst case scenario in my life thus far. Mm -hmm. And I'm here and I'm, I'm good. I felt awful because I didn't know about it until weeks later. Yeah. Even on a hiatus, had I known, I'd have flown out there and been with you because that breaks my heart thinking about you sitting there for 17 days alone in a hospital bed. But it was, isn't that weird though, that it was oddly peaceful? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what that says about my brain, but, and maybe it's because I was feeling better too. Like I was, Mm -hmm. oh, thank God I'm on 
people are taking care of me. I'm I'm grateful to be in this beautiful hospital. And I, I just, I look back on that time and I think that's when I also bonded with my mom and dad. You know, it was like they were my consistency throughout all that. And, and they couldn't come and visit mm-hmm. because they couldn't go into a hospital. They couldn't go into a hospital. They lost a fucking daughter. You know, when I was 13 years old, they lost Susie. I get it. They couldn't go into another hospital and see me in the ICU. They would have talked about trauma. Mm-hmm. So I understood that. But those phone calls meant everything to me. And to this day, I, I'm so grateful for our bond and our little triangle that we had. Mm-hmm. And and it's selfish of me because I miss them. And I, want, I wish they were here. I wish I could talk to them now. But talk about pain, I mean... It, it, the end of somebody's life, if you get to an older age, it's hard. Your body wears out. You get sore and tired. <laughs> and at a point, it's yeah. like you got to let people go for their sake, for their health, for their, you know, for their soul to feel happy, mm-hmm. for them to have that New Orleans moment of, oh, thank God, that, like relief. Something else you don't get enough credit for, Boo. And this is by no means a uh, a jab at people who handle this differently. And I don't know anything about it, obviously. <laughs> you know, the joke, I'm laughing because I'm talking about sobriety. <laughs> no, I... Um, you quit cold turkey and you've never even fucking brought it up. You never even mention it. And again, no, no yeah. disrespect to people who... But I'm just talking about, you know... You get on Facebook and you're like, I'm 100 days sober today. I'm 200. And good for them. Right. But the fact that, A, you quit cold turkey, and B, you never even bring it up. You never even mention it. Right. Like, that's pretty impressive. And and the fact that you are okay being married to a guy who does recreationally partake in it. Oh, yeah. I love making you drunk. It's fun. Like, I remember when we first got back together after... After New Orleans and all that, a few months later, and you told me that you'd quit drinking, and I was like, you know, oh, well, I, I, I'm fine with not drinking around you. And you were like, what are you talking about? Go on. No. Like, just, that's impressive. Wow. Thanks. Bill. Like, yeah. if I just became a vegetarian, right. cold turkey, <laughs> and then twice a week, you're making barbecue in the kitchen, that'd be tough. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people, there's... I have so many mixed feelings about all this stuff. But if AA works for you, awesome. Mm-hmm. If Al-Anon works for you, awesome. If Codependent No More works for you, you know what I mean? There's so many groups you can be a part of. I did go to AA. I thought I was an alcoholic. Um, I believe I had alcohol. I do know I have alcoholism in my family. And... I thought, okay, I must be an alcoholic. And I remember just not even understanding, connecting. It brought more anxiety to me because I was like, I have to go to so many meetings and I have to do this. And oh my God, and I'm not, oh, oh. And it was just, and of course, my my mental health was different. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about, I was self-medicating. I was working at a restaurant where it was a very much family dynamic. I made them my family because I didn't, 
you know, I kind of disconnected from my parents, but I was like, okay, I need a family unit. Uh, sure. Restaurant workers. And I would go to happy hour consistently because I thought, okay, that's what we do. And I would get bored because you can only, you know, they're your drinking buddies. So then you just drink more to make it more fun. And then you go pass out and, and, and look, I, I'm not judging any of that. And I'm not judge. I'm not saying, yeah, just quit and do your thing. But for me, New Orleans was so life changing because it was like, oh, I'm numbing, I'm I'm numbing something, and I'm I'm surrounding myself with people that don't challenge me. Why, uh-huh. huh? And now, and then I had space for myself, and I didn't like myself. I didn't like being alone. I didn't like where my life was, and that. Oh, Harvey's, <laughs> Harvey's here. But I thank you for saying that. But yes, it's it's uh. Harvey, get down. I'm sorry. Nope, Charlie, don't get mad. Oh, boy. Here we go. Domino effect. It's okay, Charlie. Okay. But, yeah, um, I I was asked that by my therapist today. Like, she's like, so you just quit? Like, I never really told her Mm -hmm. about any of this. And I was like, yeah. And my dad had the same mechanism. Like, he he was like a -a pack-a-day smoker. Really? Oh, yeah. He was a big smoker. (laughs) Jeez, guys. Wow. When did he stop smoking? He, it was when I was a baby uh-huh. and he just threw it up. My mom was like, we can't have you smoking around yeah. the baby and stuff. Cause he would just do it recreationally outside, but then it just became habit. Yeah. He worked, you know, with a bunch of dudes in uh-huh. a trucking yard and whatever. But, um, and I believe that was a stimulant that calmed him down uh-huh. cause he had such ADHD. Like my dad would just, I, I could, I could read him. I was his little translator because I had ADHD. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, he just quit one day. He threw it out of his El Camino, <laughs> his window, and that was it. And he never thought about it. He never talked about it. And that might be a way to go for some people. A lot of people say when you get sober, uh, you have to emotionally get sober uh-huh. because you're raised it and you're an alcoholic so your whole life is revolved around you and the drama of what an alcoholic brings mm-hmm. and luckily i am grateful enough to go to therapy that's cognitive behavioral that changes the neural pathways from habit and from all that stuff which is very similar to aa which is the same thing you you recite prayers you recite it's very similar Mm -hmm. lingo that i say Mm -hmm. and and it's just you find your way in the way that works for you that doesn't bring you anxiety attacks or that feels right at the time and who knows i might go to AA one day i'm not i'm not above any Mm -hmm. of that but that wasn't that didn't behoove me (laughs) To, and I and I don't like harsh titles. Oh, I'm sober. Oh, mm-hmm. let me focus on this thing. It's so many days. Mm-hmm. It, the best thing to do is to fill that void mm-hmm. with something else. And that's why AA is great mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Okay, I'm going to the bar every day. Instead, I'll go to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That didn't work for me. My other place became working out, and that led to me wanting to be a trainer, and that led to me, you know, there was just so many steps that that I found, and I think my ADHD helps me in that way because I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, I used to drink a lot. Like, I don't really <laughs> – I'm like, okay, next thing because I drank all the drinks, mm-hmm. and it became boring. 
you can only drink so much, and then it's like, I'm bloated and bored. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I think drinking to enhance a situation is like a celebration mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. And I know that alcoholism exists. I know that, you know, um, a lot of people in my family struggle with that. And I do not blame them for their addiction. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're wrong. It makes me sad that they can't get out of it mentally. Mm -hmm. And it's, so that's the only thing that makes me sad, but I can't change Mm -hmm. what I can't change. I could change myself and I could choose to be good and not focus on anyone else (laughs) but me. But, you know, in Mm -hmm. the love yourself category. But, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty great. That's what we're learning. (laughs) Everyone. Well, do you want to pivot and talk about something else that's maybe not necessarily light or easy, but something that we've got to figure out pretty soon Uh is how to deal with uh, the holidays this year. I know. If you like the depression talk, you're going to love dead parent talk. Um, I'm sure listeners know, but for some context. (laughs) I have no family. uh, you call it technically Christmas Day, essentially Christmas morning. We had just finished opening presents, and we got a phone call that your dad had passed on Christmas morning. Um, so presumably uh, forever tainting Christmas for us, but whether we like it or not, Christmas is, is coming again this year, and we're trying to figure out uh, how to play it this year, how to approach it. You know, do we completely ignore it? Do we go the Jewish route? and just eat Chinese food and go to a movie? Or do we stick with our traditions and celebrate Christian, uh, Christian, Christianity, Christianity. Uh, Christmas? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 we both have been talking about that just around the house as far as like, what should we do this year? What's going to be the least painful? It's funny because even my plan B is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, Aunt Joni passed away this year as well, mm-hmm. and she used to have a Christmas brunch. Did I ever go to said brunch? No. Why? Because my family brings me anxiety. <laughs> However, I was like, okay, maybe this year we'll pivot to that. And I don't – I think everything happens for a reason. I I would just love a peaceful Christmas with you, mm-hmm. low-key. But, yeah, we should plan – I want to have traditions, and I want to have it, you know, to be fun. And Like, are we going to get a tree? Do you want to decorate? Okay, so yes. Okay. And I think I... Okay. Okay, guys, I have a problem buying things high. Um, <laughs> I get high on marijuana, so no, I'm not <laughs> perfect. I'm not... That's why I don't like don't the word smoke sober. smoke and shop. Um, but yes, did I order a seven-foot hot pink pre-lit tree from Michael's? I did. You did? I did. Oh, wow. It's coming soon. Okay. Not sure. But I was thinking. Seven foot pink <laughs> Christmas tree. Hot pink. Okay. Hot pink pre-lit. Okay. So that could be in one corner. Uh-huh. Now, in the other corner, I'm, I'm thinking of doing almost like an art installation throughout uh-huh. our apartment. Maybe that's what I could focus on. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, usually I focus on others and gifts. Maybe this year I focus on quarters of our apartment. <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. No, but I I don't know, and I know I'm not alone. I know a lot of people have Christmases without family, and, you know, 
my mom and dad were my Christmas. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would always make, since Susie passed, it was like, okay, mom and dad. And then, you know, Judy would be in Judy land. But then, you know, she was a part of the present thing. I would always buy all the presents for my mom and dad. Spoiler alert, if anyone was thinking, why did they send me a Bristol Farms (laughs) fruit thing? That was me. Um... So it became almost like a production, mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to buy all these gifts and I'm going to do all this stuff. And it felt like a team effort. And I realized like, oh, I have a great teammate. That's you. We have an intimate family. But look, we can we can focus on that and others in a more meaningful way, not just buying a bunch of crap mm-hmm. from Walmart on Black Friday, which I've done many a time and then you know and it's okay to get excited and buy funny kitschy stuff but like be more purposeful in my purchases in in what we do like Mm -hmm. i can just hang out with you and you know work on a vision board and be happy (laughs) keep my hands busy and just chill well i definitely think that that's something we should pivot to if we haven't already as far as like the materialization of Christmas, like, yeah, I agree. Like, I know you think I'm being polite and humble when I tell you, you know, don't buy me a Christmas gift, don't buy me a birthday gift. I literally have everything I could ever want. Like, I'm so fortunate. Like, you bought me a car. I've got a thousand records. I've got. I live indoors now. I have plumbing. Like, I, I want Your for bar nothing. Is so low. I want for nothing. <laughs> No, I like, know. Uh, you know, so definitely don't uh, don't feel like you got to go out and buy me a bunch of stuff, even well, though I know you're going to anyway. But like, yeah, I think we both could uh, probably scale it down a little bit. And like you were hinting at a while ago, like maybe um, take that time and money and effort and apply it somewhere else that could maybe be more useful. Like maybe um, in in the realm of charity or yeah. something of that. No, nature. I would love that. Mm-hmm. I remember I, in Girl Scouts we had it wasn't a halfway house. I forget. It was a house with um, a lot of ladies that lived together with mm-hmm. special needs mm-hmm. and who had full-time caretakers. Like a group home type like thing. Like a group home, uh-huh. yes. And so I remember we would go every Christmas to this house and bring gifts, and it that was bomb. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love gift giving because it's like, oh, my gosh, you get to bring gifts to people that – that are unhappy or that might feel alone and and who knows or people who maybe don't receive many gifts yeah or who don't receive many gifts and and maybe that's why i did like giving to my parents because it was almost a challenge like this is gonna make you happy Mm -hmm. this amazing gift and it's funny because now that they're gone when i was going through a lot of their house when i was able to offering people that know who i'm talking about um there were all these gifts. Like my mom and dad would just take all my gifts and they put them in a closet. And I was like, Oh, but, but in the moment they gave me that, Oh, Katie thought of me. How cool. Mm -hmm. And I just like making people happy. And if I could do that for people that are needing some happiness or do feel alone, I would love to do that. And not in a, let me make myself feel happy. Yeah way i don't know how to do it in a noble way because i'm selfish so i don't know um but yeah i mean i think pivoting and helping others 
is totally the way to go. Mm-hmm. And how awesome that we get the opportunity to do that, mm-hmm. you know? I, I don't know what that looks like. Open to suggestions, people. But also, it was funny because I, I was saying that to Dr. Julie today, and she was like, or are you just trying to transfer all the stuff and move it towards that? Maybe you should just have an easy don't have any expectations on this holiday mm-hmm. which yeah. i understand what she's saying because mm-hmm. i'm like i want to have a homeless barbecue party mm-hmm. like i don't know you know it, I, I just i don't know i'm sorry you were gonna say something oh I, I don't know okay i'm oh well the homeless barbecue that that is something i we've talked about that before but that's something i want to do eventually unhoused barbecue whatever you want to call it but uh, yeah. just the concept of yeah. uh my concept with that is like, of course, these people need assistance and they need food, but uh, I like the idea of going a little above and beyond just the absolute basic necessities. And it may sound trivial, but like, okay, the the unhoused person, I'm sure they appreciate the peanut butter and jelly sandwich because that means they're not going to have hunger pangs tonight. But when's the last time somebody in that socioeconomic class has got to enjoy a, a smoked prime ribeye. Yeah. You know, when's the last time yeah. someone, you know, who's literally just trying to eat whatever they can to survive, like, they deserve a delicacy. They deserve some top shelf every now and then. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I I love that. I love that idea. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um. And it is hard because I'm like, okay, you know, on Thanksgiving, especially in L.A., the food bank and everything, like, there there are too many volunteers. Mm -hmm. So they're almost like, don't volunteer. Like, there's a wait list of volunteers, which is great Mm -hmm. on that specific day. But, yeah, that's the thing I fear, like, coming up to people and being like, here's stuff, but I know it's only today. But I told you I did that years ago, years, probably 20 years ago. My girlfriend at the time and I, we did we we did that on Thanksgiving one year. It's back when I was living in Georgia, but we, uh, I think we had our own quick easy thing in the morning. But then we made like fifty sack lunches and went downtown Atlanta and handed them out, and that was very, that felt good. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> during the course of me handing them out, I accidentally gave one to a, a dude who was not unhoused. Oh lord, <laughs> he was fairly offended. <laughs> Like oh shit I'm sorry dude I uh... oh you did that on tour you yeah did I did that, that on, on tour, tour. I, that's right on, yeah at the gas station yeah. oh that poor lady yeah there was a lady oh, it was Lord. raining and there was a lady like just sitting Indian style on the sidewalk yep. of the gas station underneath the partition she wasn't getting soaked nope but she was sitting on the concrete <laughs> Indian style <laughs> and uh, I saw her when I went in and I just happened to pay for, I usually never have cash but I happened to buy my Red Bull with a $5 bill and they gave me like two bucks back and on the way out I was like hey could you use this and then she just like opened her jacket and it had her name tag she worked at that exact gas station she was on her break she was just cold but it just looked oh, like oh gosh and because i i think also like most of the time i don't and that's that's a whole another issue nowadays like you know handing out charity you know giving people money uh 
I mean, sometimes, honestly, I use it as an excuse, but most of the time it's legit. Like, oh, sorry, I don't have any cash. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, you're an unhoused person. You probably don't have a Venmo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I had been hit up on that tour several times when I didn't have any cash. And I was like, oh, I got cash now. I'm going to give this lady some money. Oh, shit, you're not homeless. Yeah. <laughs> she was a good sport about it. But I was like, I'm so sorry. That was so funny. And it was ironic because like a week before we had did a, a show with a comic who had a joke about that. Yeah. And then it, oh, act- that and was it, happen- so great. it happened to us. In oh, person. he was so funny. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Sean. Sean. In uh, Bristol. But yeah, he had a joke exactly about that. And then a week later it happened to him. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, well, your heart was in the right place. But... Yeah. What can you do? But yeah, I don't know. We'll figure out what if to do. If anyone but... has like things that they've done or traditions, like how was your first Christmas after your Paul passed away. Do you remember? Hmm. When was um, man, I can't. Did I, did I go back and see my mom? I don't know. I don't remember. Oh yeah, no. Well, we don't have to was... worry about that now because I'm not allowed over at my brother's house. But, okay. Uh, that's a story for another time. <laughs> we got issues. We got issues. <laughs> oh darn. Gonna okay. miss. All right. Eaten. <clears throat> Speak with kindness. Yes, that's true. Okay. That's true. Um. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I honestly, I can't remember. I'm assuming. See, I, I've got a lot of experience with not spending holidays with my family, being out here. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's true. Yeah. I think uh, I've been out here ten years now, and I think I've probably gone home, whether it be when my dad was alive or you know post that with just my mom, probably four Christmases, four probably half. Oh, wow. But I've I've definitely spent a handful of Christmases out here, you know, either alone or with friends or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the the first holiday or mm-hmm. anything after I don't re- I mean I remember barely the first Christmas after Susie died. Mm-hmm. It was just so depressing. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to get through. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to say, "Okay, you know what? We're not going to escape this. Mm-hmm. Let's just watch every single Sons of Anarchy or whatever you need to do mm-hmm. uh to just kind of cope." And and hold space for yourself, and I think that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, holidays are tough, but uh... yeah, and to all the peeps that you know have great families, and I everyone has holiday traditions. If you have lost someone, and you you know you happen to remember that first holiday or whatever, let us know. Mm-hmm. Call, call us. Tell tell me what you did because mm-hmm. that could be helpful. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Give us a ring. <laughs> well, we'll figure it out, boo. We will. And guys, thank you for listening to me. Be a weirdo. Speaking of special occasions, uh, we had a first the other day. Had our first... Anniversary! Wedding anniversary. Yeah. we had yeah. It. It's already been a year. Man, what a year. November 6th. That's true. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say seventh, but it was the sixth. It was the sixth. Boo. When I had a nice lunch in Malibu with all the beautiful people. Oh, Joffrey's. Went we to went to a place called Joffrey's. Jeffrey's Malibu. Oh, yes. Beautiful, but very stereotypical L.A. <laughs> like It felt like I, we were in a movie. I didn't mention this in the moment because I didn't want to bring any negativity to it. The, the meal was great. The restaurant was beautiful. Uh, our server was like straight out of central casting fine LA fine dining yes 
nose up in the air. Hundred percent. Hundred like he's seen so many cases like us. Like, yeah. oh, this is a special occasion for these two idiots. Yeah. But like Yeah. It is. It's it a is. nice restaurant. Can you like, make it happy yeah, and fun? Yeah, but he was just so going through the motions, just couldn't give a shit. Well, and he also, well, I noticed that a lot of the people that worked there were just taking themselves so seriously. Yeah. And it's like, hey, they might be famous, but they're people yeah. at the end of the day. And so can you just treat the people like and I'm people? sure I'm sure they get treated, you know. Like royalty. But... No, I'm saying I'm sure oh. some of the servers at a snooty L.A. restaurant have been talked down to and mistreated by you know, oh, 100%. rich, you know, oh, self-important of of assholes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, man, we're just trying to have a good meal. And, you know, we were, you know, we weren't that. We we were both very friendly and, you yeah. know, polite and courteous to him. But, boy, he was just like, get was the over fuck us. out of here. It was, yeah. It was like moving on. All right. Sorry, man. Yeah, you're working on tips, though, right? We're going to tip you real well on this overpriced food. You know, wow. maybe <laughs> fucking grin and bear it a little bit. You know, take a smile every now and then. Oh, gosh. Remember that server in... What was it? New Orleans. Mm -hmm. That I was like, he was too cool for school. And I was like. Oh, yeah. Koshan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he was annoying. I, that, he was <laughs> snottier yeah. than the Beverly Hills oh, or yeah. the hoity-toity guy. Yeah. yeah. I asked what his tattoos meant on his fingers. And he responded with this great answer. Yeah. Some bullshit answer that we we're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, it's like, I've not seen... really. Just kidding. I love that technique. I know. Of like, here's a, I'm going to sell a lie to you <laughs> yeah, and then make you feel like an idiot for believing me. Yeah. Oh, I'm the asshole because I believe what you said? Okay. Yeah, he was gotcha. like alien. Like I saw, I went to a spiritual retreat where blah, blah, blah. Like it was something very Yeah, he had believable. some whole backstory. And I was like, oh, how interesting. And I was excited because I was like, I could connect with you on weird, yeah. you know, spiritual shit. And then he just went. No. Not really. And then he started talking with an accent. It was very confusing. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but no, uh, it was a, it was a nice uh, nice new experience. I've never had an anniversary before. I know me either. So, yeah. Congrats. Yeah, we did it. We did it, dude. We made it a year. Yes. It's been a crazy year. I mean, let's keep going. Speaking of, uh, I'll, I'll end with this, uh, Thanksgiving. I feel like it's just going to be you and I. Okay. It's going to be low-key. I'm real excited about this. I think I'm going to do uh, turkey gumbo. Love it. Love a gumbo. Love that you're going to take boring turkey mm -hmm. and make it interesting. I'm going to roast a turkey Good. per usual. Okay. Set it aside. Okay. Peel all the meat off. Set that aside. Okay. Take the carcass and everything else and make a stock with it. Cook that stock all day. And then Ooh. use turkey stock to add to my roux. Ooh. And then throw in the turkey, the trinity, some okra. Get Might even it. typically you don't put carrots in gumbo, but you know since this is a turkey Thanksgiving gumbo, I might add some little, some carrot. Action. I love it. Get some yeah. carrots in there, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna make a dessert, but mm -hmm. what will happen is I'll go buy a pie. Mm -hmm. So that's what's gonna happen. I'm just gonna go buy a pie. Oh, and let's talk about this real quick before we leave. Uh, we invented a new game called uh, ice cream roulette. So after the uh, after game. the anniversary meal, we were so stuffed that we didn't get dessert at the restaurant. But, and we uh, went to like a two o'clock. Yeah, we had a nice two o'clock. Because <laughs> I was like, well, it was the same day that the that the time changed, and I was like, I don't want to be driving home in the dark all and the way. From I Malibu. go to bed at like four p.m. Yeah. So yes, we stopped and got some. By the way, 
Jenny's ice cream. Oh, I didn't realize till recently. Dude. I thought that there is a Jenny's ice cream shop in Los Feliz. I thought that was just like a little mom and pop, but I guess it's it's a chain. It's a chain, but also you can buy Jenny's in grocery stores. Certain oh yeah, yeah. Stores. I didn't Yelson's. realize that till recently. Oh, uh, but. That might be the best ice cream I've ever had. It was so good. Uh, specifically, I always mix, mix up the name, but it's uh, brown butter peanut brittle or oh, something. Yeah. yeah. That might be the single best ice cream I've ever had in my life, but we got, we got that. We got a pint of salted caramel and a Ooh, pint of chocolate. And the and three. So it was two people mm-hmm. and three pints. Mm-hmm. And it, we had a nice little road. It was like, it was like, it was like smoking a joint. We were like puff puff give. Yeah. Like you know, we I'd get on down on one for you know a minute, hand it over to you. Yeah. You'd hand me yours. You know, we had a nice little rotation. Oh, Jenny's ice cream. J E N I. If you if you run across any Jenny's ice cream. Yeah. Unpaid Treat endorsement yourself. by the way. Treat yourself to a joyous occasion. It's the most flavor. I've, yeah. I don't know how they get that much flavor into ice cream. I used to think. I don't either. Prior to that, my standard the the best. In no particular flavor, but just kind of across the board, my favorite was Ben and Jerry's. I oh, just yeah. thought Ben and Jerry's was a step above all your other commercial brands, just in terms of like you could just taste how fresh and how just how sweet. Yeah, Jenny's is a step above that, in my opinion. Whoa. It, I mean, that was it was insane. No, it was so good. It was so good. Now, in our defense, we didn't mow down all three pints in one setting, but. But did we, I have we some for a, breakfast the next we day? We put a good yes, dent in those pints. I did. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, that's my word of mouth. Jenny's ice cream. Jenny's ice cream. Get some. My word of mouth is love yourself. Ooh, good one. Deeper. Go. Uh, I'll throw out a uh, legit word of mouth. Uh, our good buddy Ryan Singer has a special out right now uh, called The Supernatural. It's on YouTube. So good. Ryan so Singer. So good. Not to be confused with, a, there's a Brian Singer who's something in Hollywood who's not a good guy. Uh, do you know about that? Some kind of a director, Brian Singer, who got caught up in the Me Too stuff. Oh, no. And I was talking about Ryan oh, Singer no. to somebody one time, and they thought I was talking. Was like, they were like, fuck that guy. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, the director? I'm like, no, Ryan with an R. Uh, Ryan Singer with an R has a great new special called The Supernatural. He filmed it in an old abandoned haunted elementary school Ooh. in Ohio. Uh, looks great. It is so cool. I mean, it looks so great. The material's so funny. Ryan is so likable and so it's funny. It's such a delight. It's an hour of just a big smile and mm-hmm. laughing, and he's just a ball of joy and hilarity and smart, and I loved it. Ryan's got that same quality that I love about you. Like, Aww. I just I just want to be around you guys. Shut up. Because you're both so positive. I like, Aww. And it's genuine, not fake positive, but like... You know, and Ryan's like everybody. He's got, As I just talked about yeah. depression for well, a Of course. <laughs> you guys are human, you know, like like oh, all of us. Boy. But it, it's my point is like your, your default. You know, you're just, you know, run-of-the-mill encounter with you or Ryan. It's probably going to be pretty silly and pretty light and pretty positive and pretty fun. So, uh, oh, thank you. That's yeah, shout out to Ryan Singer. Uh, the Supernatural. Check it out on YouTube. Uh, I've watched it twice. It's fantastic. It's awesome. Uh, dude's great. I mean, he's. I've always thought Ryan was just so underrated. Uh, oh, I he, can't He deserves wait. Uh, more he... accolades and, and a bigger audience, but uh, so unique and so funny. But uh, yeah, check him out. He's adorable. Also, uh, our boys here are quite fond of him. 
he took care of Charlie and, and, he and the did. crew. He did. Oh, yeah. Charlie likes him, yeah, which Charlie is a big, him. big get. He's okay. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> Boo, good catching up. Boo, so good catching up. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm very proud of you. Oh, uh, guys, we love you so much. And we'll figure out these holidays. And uh, I think, like your like your therapist said, maybe the best approach is just don't uh, don't too much don't put too much pressure on yourself about it. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens. You know? No telling what we're going to get into. Charlie's excited. Charlie, he's very excited. <laughs> well, thanks, boo. All right. Talk to you soon. We love you guys. Bye. Hey, baby. It's your time now. Hey, baby. You made it somehow. Don't let nobody. Thank you.